Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Unpack That, your weekly podcast where queer and questionable millennials unpack world events through the lens of anxiety, depression, and a stunning lack of expertise. Today's episode is going to be a bit different because today we're not talking about headlines. We're not talking about Joe Biden. We're certainly not talking about Joe Manchin. What we are going to talk about, though, is the Satanic Temple. And before you unplug any headphones or skip to your next podcast, just hear me out um, because I think you're going to find this episode really interesting. I know I have since I started doing a bit of research on it. Since its founding in 2013, the Satanic Temple has grown from just two friends to more than 200,000 members across the country, and its membership is increasing all the time, making it one of the fastest growing religions and groups in the United States. And there's a lot of reasons for that growth, some of which we'll explore today. And in fact, the founder of the Satanic Temple, Lucian Greaves, puts the temple's growing popularity down to its support for free speech and an increasing disillusionment with mainstream politics, something I think most folks who listen to this podcast can relate to. In a recent interview, the founder said, we often track members who have been traditionally religious themselves, but have become disillusioned and see that we represent more of their values than the church that they were raised in. And really, it's not about Satan, a deity or anything like that. Greaves continues in that same interview, and he says that we don't worship Satan. Satan is a symbol of rebellion, and we are all about being rebels. So, We thought talking about the Satanic Temple would be an interesting topic for Let's Unpack That. Not because we're trying to recruit you to join, though you may want to after you hear this episode, um, but because a lot of us are disillusioned right now, and a lot of us are scared. Um, Republicans are attacking everything from reproductive rights and the ability for kids to come out on their own terms, and it doesn't feel like Democrats are doing enough, or can do enough, to stop it. And that's a little bit about where today's guest comes in. Listeners, please meet Alexander Chang, or as he's known on stage, Rocco Giovanni. (laughs) Hello. Alexander grew up raised in religion. He went to a Catholic primary school, public high school, but started opening to alternative practices in 93 when he was a teenager, fascinated by monster movies, the occult, and things along that sphere. And in 2019, he actually became a member of the Satanic Temple. So today, we're going to get into all of that. His journey and sort of his reflections on on where the Satanic Temple is now and and how it might apply to some people who listen to this podcast. So without further ado, um, Alexander, welcome to Let's Unpack That. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. uh, Super excited to have you. Not only because have we been trying to schedule this for a little while, um, but also just because this is a topic that we haven't really ever talked about like ever we've talked about religion quite a bit especially in some of the earlier episodes yeah but never talked about the satanic temple as a form of practice and ritual so excited to have somebody like you here who lives and breathes this stuff now if you could even start by telling us a little bit about yourself um not necessarily exactly how you jumped into joining the satanic temple but a little bit about maybe how you grew up almost. So I grew up, I grew up in Canton, Ohio in the 80s. I was born in 1980. And I know you said in the intro that it was 93 that I started studying all the weird stuff. Uh, so I was 13. Uh, went to Catholic school and then ended up in um, public school. My mom is American and my dad is off the boat Chinese from Taiwan. So it was an interesting household religiously yeah uh i was a dancer as well ballet dancer professional ballet dancer from about 92 i started training and then 
96, 97, was working with companies, then destroyed my knee in 99, and then started backup dancing for drag queens after that, and getting tattoos. You can't have tattoos. Your people can't see this. I'm covered in tattoos. Wait, wait, wait. You can't have tattoos as a ballet dancer. Back in the 90s. True. But also, that kind of surprises me. You did not start getting tattoos until you were 19, 20 years old. Correct. Yeah. Because you couldn't. You, yeah. you weren't allowed. I, I had to have a normal haircut. And I, I had like one earring that I always had to take out. when. Because yeah. you would see that from the stage. It was it was very weird. It was, it was not at all my personality. Because hmm. I mean, I was, I've always been pretty dark. So I was listening to like. The Cure and Susie and the Banshees and Typo Negative and um, dressed in all black, fairly godly, much like I do now. Uh, but then, like, the whole ballet world is so disciplined and regimented, and mm-hmm. I had to have a commercial haircut, and I couldn't, like, can't have nail polish on stage and, you know, all this stuff. Okay, well, uh, you're sitting across from me right now yeah. with black nails on. Right. Several rings, I believe. Just one. Uh, just one just ring. One, but there's okay. tattoos on my fingers. <laughs> yeah. And um, probably, I would say, like, six, seven, eight piercings on your face? All over my face. Yeah. 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 I look, I, it's my shrapnel. I look like a cyborg. Um, so, I, was, I mean, the injury was pretty, it was kind of a blessing, I guess, because then I could really be myself more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've since gone back to the ballet world on occasion. I did a Nutcracker a couple years ago with the oh Gem C- with the Gem City Ballet, and I was on stage more than that stupid Nutcracker. Um, and I was I was no thirty maybe, so twelve years ago, and uh, I had a lot of tattoos. But I was I was a party guest, and the everything in that. If if you you or your listeners have seen the Nutcracker, like there's the whole party at the beginning, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all the costumes, you know, the costumes cover my arms, um, and then I was the Rat King, okay, which was really wild, except for the stupid headpiece, yeah. Um, and I had to re choreograph the sword fight because I actually know how to sword fight. Um, so they had me re choreograph the sword fight with the Nutcracker, so it was more authentic and not just swinging swords around and hitting him. And then I was like, I, I already know that you're gay because as <laughs> as a you know young adult, you were re choreographing right, re choreographing the Nutcracker. <laughs> Uh, and then I was also the that version of the Nutcracker had a, a male slave in the Arabian part oh. that carries the the female dancer out, but it, he's bare chested because mm-hmm. he's a slave. Mm-hmm. He's a coffee slave, whatever. Oh, because that's the tr- the dessert that is Arabian is coffee. Oh, um, but they didn't make me cover any of my tattoos. They were just like, it's fine. And I was like, well, that's good because I don't have that much money to spend on foundation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Was that like liberating for you at that point, I guess, like to be able to express yourself on stage like that? It was fun. I think every dancer should have to do a Nutcracker mm-hmm. because that's the easiest story ballet to do. Mm-hmm. And it's the most accessible. Anyone can do a Nutcracker. I was going to say, but I always ask, like, I don't know, when I think about ballet or I think about dance, like, I think there's an air of perfectionism absolutely in those things and that's why i'm like i i ask every single person we have on the podcast this of like your experience with anxiety and depression whether it was you or somebody else in your life but i do feel like i don't know the stress of being a dancer automatically has a layer 
of anxiety well, to it? Or maybe I'm wrong. But. Black Swan is my favorite movie. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, it is my favorite movie. Uh, it was robbed of Best Picture mm-hmm. that year because it's a horror movie. I have a tattoo of, of Black Swan of Natalie Portman's oh, face. I love it. Even in that, you want it to be perfect. And you, you start rehearsals for The Nutcracker in July. Oh, my God. Not yeah. the not the not the big dance sequences because that's yeah. where the adults and the professionals in the company come in. But you start with the children mm-hmm. because they that learning curve is much bigger. Yeah, and you need to have that rapport with children, and and they need to trust you as an mm-hmm. adult, and you have to get over the stage fright that children will experience, and how do you deal with that and all that other stuff? So mm-hmm. you're you're like living in Christmas starting in July and. <laughs> I also hate Christmas. I do recall that from some of our conversations around the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) So that was cool. Yeah. Uh, But then I got to sword fight and be a rat and then be an Arabian. Arabian is my favorite part of the Nutcracker. It always has been. Mm -hmm. It's the, it, to me, it's the most beautiful. The music is stunning and, and some of the versions of it are phenomenal. But um, so being a part of that was really cool. At least they didn't, typecast me and put me in the Chinese version. The Chinese uh, divertissement variation. I was like, uh, the Chinese role? I was yeah. like, because you had a, yeah. Because there is. There, yeah. there is. That's right after Arabian <laughs> tea. Chinese, China's tea. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, a little too typecast. A little, a little too yeah. much. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. They had thought about it. They were like, we'll make you a tiger. And I was like, okay, let's not. Clearly, like, that was the first half of your life, right? Like, that was oh, like, yeah. before tattoos like you did grow up religious like at what point did the fascination with sort of like either like the occult come into play or and also like queerness as well like uh, obviously that's like two kind of big things that you're very interested in yeah right or, or at least are a big part of your identity when did those come into play for you well i'm an only child mm. i think that's a definitely an important factor of my story and my parents owned a restaurant in canton Ohio, which is a what would be considered in the 80s and 90s a higher-end Chinese restaurant. But mm-hmm. um, still, it was we met all of these random people that would come through, and the mayor would eat there. And I had to—I was either working mm-hmm. from a very young age or I had to entertain myself. And what really started the fascination with the occult was, I would definitely say, like, He-Man and She-Ra, mm-hmm. the cartoon— Masters of the Universe, Prince of Power. Okay, okay. It's it's somewhere deep within the depths of my brain. It's there. Uh, uh, yeah. But there was like He-Man, and he was, you know, blonde and buff and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. But then there was Skeletor, who was the yeah. main villain. And he was blue, but just as buff. Yeah. <laughs> but his face was a, like, it was a yellow skull. And he had magic. Okay. So that, to me, was, like, super cool. The first movie I remember watching was Dark Crystal. The Jim Henson film. Um, and then there was Labyrinth, which is also Jim Henson, mm-hmm. but had David Bowie, who's... Yes. I mean, David Bowie is God. Yeah. Uh, to me as well. I, yeah. I mean, it's David Bowie. Yeah. So it was it was stuff like that and shows like that, cartoons like that, that really interested me uh, as a kid. But it was never the good guys. Those were the villains. The mm-hmm. villains were always way cooler. They always looked cooler. They always had cooler powers. I mean... My first idol was Katra from She-Ra, and she had this mask, and she brought it down and turned into a big purple panther, uh, which led to my obsession like, with... That's kind of hot. Which yeah. led <laughs> to my obsession with Catwoman. Right. So that's what started it, and uh, 
it was always the bad guys. I always resonated more with the bad guys and more with the villains and what they were doing. They always just, just looked cooler. Mm-hmm. They were not boring. You know, She-Ra and He-Man, blonde, yeah. blue-eyed. Like, my mom was blonde and is blonde and blue-eyed, mm-hmm. but, you know... It was just kind of like, then you had like Skeletor and Evelyn who was yellow skinned, which I maybe subconsciously was something because my dad's Chinese. So oh. the the skin tone of um, Evelyn being yellow and Skeletor's skull being yellow might have, I, could have been something that made me think, relate more to that. To that particular And character. the dark hair, because I'm dark haired, right. dark eyed. Well, it is it is interesting because like we've talked about you know Disney villains on the show before, right? Mm-hmm. And that's more my frame of reference of just the things I was allowed to watch, or I had siblings, so they sort of determined what I would watch. But it is like the villain was always the much more intriguing character <laughs> because oftentimes, like like I think people bitch about origin stories about villains all the time. Like there's all this you know people complaining about the Cruella origin story or whatever that happened, you know, like that movie that came out was that like a year ago or whatever, but they always were more intriguing. And I think because like sometimes as queer people, like we often felt like the villains in our own lives. Oh, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. And, and so I'm like, of course, like what, um, what is the villain's name from? I don't know why it's escaping me right now from sleeping beauty. Maleficent. Maleficent. Like, I mean, that's a drag queen. Glorious. Yeah. Glorious. Like, like just amazing. You're into villains, and this is sort of like, at least for you, because, again, I, I do want to, like, come back to what we said at the beginning, too. Like, the Satanic Temple is not, like, in terms of, like, it's not about magic. It's not about mm-hmm. Satan itself, or himself, herself, whatever. Um, like, it's not about that. It's about the rebellion aspect. And I didn't really know until you started talking that, like, clearly from a young age, you were very much identifying with rebel characters. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so, And in the West, I mean, the ultimate rebel is Lucifer. Mm-hmm. So I, that's how I got into the occult. And then, the, like, around 13, there was a show. It came from Canada called Friday the 13th, the series. Okay. And I have to plug it because it's, it's great. The series, um, though. The series. <laughs> Theory, series after a movie is usually no 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 no, no 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 it had nothing to do it's the problem was it had nothing to do with the movie okay. franchise okay so the series was this uh gentleman made a deal with the devil to sell cursed antiques mm-hmm. and he reneged on the deal and got killed and then his his niece and his nephew and his longtime friend make it their life's purpose to reobtain all of these cursed objects that are killing people. Mm-hmm. So I started watching that. I'm sure I probably shouldn't have watched it. I was like, I don't know. It came out in like 87, but I, it was from Canada. So I got here. I was like nine, mm-hmm. 10, 11, 12, 13. There were episodes that had the, stereotypical Satanist, mm-hmm. like the coven mm-hmm. that were, they were using like something to bring back a witch that had been killed or something. Um, and that, so that was really interesting. And then of course I started watching horror movies because right. I was old enough to, right. and not have it affect me. Like, so I started watching those types of movies and then I discovered the new age section at Walden books, which yes. doesn't exist anymore. No. Yeah. Um, and tarot cards and time life books had uh, the advertisements in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. uh, mysteries of the unknown. And like there was, there were books about, you know, the psychics and witches and, 
and UFOs and all of that type of stuff as well. But we had them in our school library for okay. some reason. So I would like read them in your Catholic school library. Or no, no, public, this is when, this is when I got, to, I'm, I'm now in public school. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I'm, cause that, that's what I'm thinking, right? Like you, uh, as you're sharing some of the things that like you're interested in or the things that you're like beginning to be curious about, you're also, at least from what you told me before, like still studying religion. At oh, I got, time. I got in trouble. I got in trouble for like, cause we would go to the public library as well. Um, in Catholic school and I would get in trouble because I would be looking at uh, books about hauntings, mm-hmm. alleged true mm-hmm. hauntings, mm-hmm. like the bell witch in, in America mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And sister Mary Lucille, are we allowed to use names? And oh, she's dead now. Uh, yeah. And we can, yeah. <laughs> also that that's the name that she took on as a, a nun, um, like would yell at me. Yeah. Why are you? You're not supposed to read that. And yeah. I'm like, oh my god. Okay. <laughs> but you know, I could read about the fucking witch of Endor from mm-hmm. the Old Testament or the vision of dry bones. And like, what? That would be my argument. Like, what's the difference? And they're like, well, that's in the Bible. I'm like, okay, sister. Literally, the whatever. Yeah. And the Bible is the source of truth. Yeah. But that's. And, but you also like. It's like. Christianity and the Bible was not the only like texture that you read. No. Right. Like you also spent time. I remember from what you said before of like reading the Quran. Like, yes. Yeah. Like Yeah. Um, but so my dad is Chinese. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom is the one who put me in Catholic school. Her mom wanted me to be in Catholic wanted all of the grandkids to be in Catholic school. I was the only one that ended up in Catholic school. All the other grandkids I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I, I, I I'm not. It, yeah. it definitely yeah. formed who I am. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um my but my dad being Chinese He's also a Kung Fu master and there's a lot of spirituality in that that people don't realize because on the surface they just see like Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings and like, ah, you know. Yeah. Punch and kick. No, I did like Taekwondo when I was a kid. Okay. Um, And there was definitely something a little bit kind of spiritual and ritualistic Absolutely. about the, the leaders of Taekwondo. Like I remember we met one of the guys who, who founded Taekwondo mm-hmm. and like he, like it felt to me almost like meeting a papal figure, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, so I, I get exactly what you yeah. said. There. And it, 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 yeah. you know, it's similar, like most people would I'd relate it with yoga, like the connection between yes. the mind and the body yes. and yeah. the outside world. But that's very prevalent in Asian martial arts. Yeah. I would go to Catholic school and then my dad would have like his shrine in the restaurant and he would light incense every morning. And, and so while I was, being indoctrinated into Catholicism and my dad wanted that as well. I think mostly because that's American. And so in his mind, like he wanted to raise an American child mm-hmm. versus uh, a Chinese child. Um, that I would see that as well. And then when I would go to Taiwan it's not a Christian nation. No, it's um, it's not a, it's a very secular nation. If, if for those of us who consider it a nation in and of itself, but anything that is spiritual is still rooted in the animist and the Buddhist side of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know, there's pantheons of various gods and a lot of superstition, mm-hmm. um, that I still carry like over from that more so than being raised Catholic. Um, so I would learn about it and I would study it 
that as well as I know I didn't really study Catholicism so much as it was taught to me. Yes, I understand. Um, that. <laughs> <laughs> when I was old enough to understand that there was a difference, and mm-hmm. then uh, sixteen is when I read the sixteen seventeen is when I read the Bible cover to cover. It's something I never understood about Christians is why they will like not read everything in order and then just pick and choose. And then they have like the woman's study Bible, but it's not everything in the Bible. And mm-hmm. then like the teens study, but I'm like, I don't, why are you taking it apart to suit your needs? I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> I, guess, <yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, also read about Hinduism around that time. And it, my mom remarried. My parents divorced in 86. They're still best friends. They still had the business until uh, 2001 together. But my mom remarried in 2001 to uh, an Egyptian, a man who's Muslim. Then 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, because, you know, Canton, Ohio is small. Yeah. I was concerned about Isam. It's my stepdad. Ex-stepdad. They're divorced. And... I felt the need then to read the Quran and understand it. Mm-hmm. Not so much because I you know, I wasn't going to convert, but because I knew that there would be elements of in this country that didn't know what they were talking about. And I, because he is part of my family, I needed to make sure that I could speak to it and as best I could protect him in some way. I was here. I was in Columbus. They were in Dalton, Ohio at that point in time. But it was just just that need to, when someone said something stupid to be like, no, you're saying something stupid. This is, this is the actual, what's, what is written there at that point in time, it was religious extremists. And it's like, that happens in your cult as well. Yeah. And here's an example. So, you know, which still goes on now. Yeah, for sure. Like, I I think, one, I want to say it's so interesting to talk to somebody who their first reaction was to jump to a point of defense after 9-11 of, no, I need to be educated about what I'm talking about. And people are going to be racist and ignorant towards my stepfather, because I think that in my world, there was no conscious decision of what was right or wrong. Like that people celebrating in the streets thing that like Donald Trump, that rumor that he started, Mm. like that was something I was somehow actively or, or indirectly taught that, that people who practiced Islam were happy that that happened. And I don't know who taught me that. Right. Mm -hmm. I was 10. Um, but it's interesting to hear your reflections on that. Of I'm going to learn as much as I can so I can be a stark defender of this person in my life who is a member of my family who I really care about. It, it shows like just the difference I think that 10 years like can can make in terms of how you were processing and reacting to well, the situation. Because I don't think a lot of people reacted that way. No, no. And it wasn't just – I mean it wasn't just the fact that I was defending Isam – Egypt is different than Iraq, than Saudi Arabia, than Iran. Myself growing up Chinese by way of Taiwan, like Mm -hmm. my 
grandfather left mm-hmm. when Mao took over. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I grew up, the things that I would hear, people find out I was Chinese. Oh, Chinese, Japanese, I can never tell the difference. So there's a lot of, there was a lot of that for me growing up. Mm-hmm. And I have a Mexican uncle and I grew up, my mom, my mom dated someone from Honduras for a while. Uh, my Spanish teacher in grade school was from Peru. So I had already experienced the very strange thing that some Americans do where they just lump everyone together and like, well, why can you tell the difference? Like, I don't, I don't, yeah, but I also yeah, don't think that that's yeah. important. Yeah, right, right. And so it, it, it started way before, way before 9-11. It was just ingrained in me to, mm-hmm. you know, oh, well, you're from, your dad's from Taiwan. Is he Taiwanese? No, he's not Taiwanese. He's Chinese because of this. Like, there's a history there. And I know, like, I have friends who are of Latin descent, and I always ask them, like, which do you prefer? Are you Latin? Latinx? Are you Latino? Are you Hispanic? Hispanic, right? Yeah. And it's be, you know, so that's just how I grew up. And I, I mean, it, it happened again, like when when Trump came into power, and it was like the Mexican thing. And I was like, oh my god, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not right. It's not that's not the reality of it. Yeah. Also, I can climb over a fucking wall, but that's beside the point. Yeah, like, yeah but when I think about your experience of growing up, like in a multiracial household like surrounded by it sounds like a lot of people who view the world differently and then for your stepfather to even bring like another layer of that and you'd be like i'm gonna read this book from cover to cover and now at this point you've like read the bible <laughs> you've you've what you've read the quran or, oh my god I could, quran quran yeah, yeah. um but, i've read the i read the tanakh and talmud which are judaic yeah i read the i had read the bhagavad gita uh i had read several books about the Buddha himself mm-hmm. um, and mythology, countless myth. I mean, at one mm-hmm. time people, that's a, people don't understand that mythologies at one time were religion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. religion is mythology. Mm-hmm. So I had already read Greek myth. I had read uh, Aztec myth. I had read some native American uh, myth, Celtic myth, um, you know, so Egyptian, it, always Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Was a, I fascinated with ancient Egypt. So then, like, I don't know what I was like, and this is something I've not thought about in a very long time. So if I don't articulate it properly, forgive me. But like, what I always remember hearing is like, okay, I grew up Catholic school for grade school, high school, and college. College totally different. It didn't. It was not an experience that felt particularly. Um, religious in in any sense of the word. But I did feel that it was like sort of this thing of like, oh, as long as if you study all the religions, it's really cool to understand them all. But you should end up in Christianity. You should end up in Catholicism. You should end up in the in the quote unquote right one. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's interesting that where you ended up is actually none of them. Where you right. have some appreciation, it sounds like, for some of them. Um in terms of the research that you did and the things that people believe, but then you ended up becoming a member of the satanic temple. Right. So I know we're going to get into how you joined that, but also like, is, is that a similar experience of that you met in other people in the satanic temple or is that you feel kind of unique to you but sort I, of the way that you grew up? My experience is unique. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. From 
the individuals that I know who are who identify as Satanists and uh, interviews and other things that I've seen and heard, mm-hmm. mine is is unique. I don't have uh, religious trauma, probably because of the element of my dad and him not being Catholic. And, and you know, like my, my mom was. One could say that my mother has sometimes has had loose morals. Um, if if you're going from the Catholic version, I just think that my mom uh, knew what felt good, and so she did it. Yeah, and was very unapologetic about it, and survived a lot. So when she was doing it, it was like, go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, She's also our next guest. No. Yeah. <laughs> You should. Oh my god! You should have Penny on. You would. You. She's a riot. Uh, she's like me, but blonde, <laughs> and a woman and older. Um. So that experience, I, I don't. I don't have that. I witnessed it, and I've seen it in other people. Right. And I. I I'm lying. I shouldn't say that I don't have religious trauma. I have it. I have it from an older age. The first time I ever really experienced any bigotry had nothing to do with being Chinese or half Chinese or I was obviously gay. Like, Hmm. clearly, like I spoke and everyone was like, whoa. I had gone back to public school and I remember saying that I was Catholic and no one else in my little pod, whatever the fuck that was, one of those weird 90s education things. Right. They were like, oh, well... That's you're not really a Christian, and I was like, "What are you? What? What are you talking about?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, like you need to be saved, and you need." And I'm like, <laughs> "But it's the same dude." Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And it was just very strange, mm-hmm. and that was my first time ever experiencing bigotry. Mm-hmm. Then, obviously, as a child of the '80s and '90s, when I came to terms with being gay, it was like. Oh, well, you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't come from being a child. Yeah. That I, I most people, that, stories that I've heard, that's where it comes from. It comes from being aware and being more cognizant of what's going on around you and, and who you are and becoming who you are than religion dictating to you, you know, Oh well, you're you're wrong. You're the abomination. You're going to hell. Leviticus, this, that, that, that man shall not lie. Blah 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 blah. Like then it was like, oh, wow, this is shitty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you experienced that more as an adult then, or or as, at a, least teenager, as, a, as teenager. a teenager, as a teenager, and as yeah. an adult. Yeah. yeah, yeah, huh? Absolute for sure. You're making me wonder when I experienced mine. Your, your your religious trauma? Yeah, it could have been earlier. It could have been later, but I don't know. That's another topic for another episode. But <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. I think that so you're you're saying though that like you you have it in a different way. It's not it's not allowed you to not pursue knowledge about religion. Right. It's not allowed you to not pursue joining the satanic temple. No, no, no. Which I think a lot of people would just be like, you know, a group I just don't need. I just want to be a good person. I want to be on my own. Yeah. You know, but. It doesn't sound like that's what the satanic temple is. It's not like come into our group, come to our worship. Like, you know, it's no. And I'm, I'm not an expert by any means of, and there are things that I believe um, that aren't part of the belief system in the satanic temple. Mm -hmm. Satanic temple is atheist. Mm -hmm. And I do believe in supernatural forces. 
maybe because I was raised Catholic and that's a thing. And um, maybe it's because of my fascination with with the supernatural and like mm-hmm. reading about ghosts and hauntings. And that's where I differ slightly from the satanic temple. But I relate most, if I'm going to affiliate myself with a group, it's that. It's right. them. Right. Versus, you know, the church down the street that's accepting of gays and lesbians and transgender people. Like, I, that's also not the biggest part of my life. Yeah. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm Alexander who happens to be gay. I'm not gay Alexander. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I think I am gay Paul, but. Which is, which is, <laughs> which is great. And that's yeah. fine. Yeah. No, you know, but. I, am. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But. But I, like, yeah. even, even in, even in the LGBT community, like there's people that don't know how to take me when they meet me. Cause they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're covered in tattoos and you listen to heavy metal and you're a Satanist, you know, whereas they're like, I don't know what they're doing, huffing poppers on Saturday night on the dance floor and getting railed by 17,000 people and then going to like the Methodist church the next morning. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, so, yeah. But yeah. then they're like, they look at me and I'm like, I'm the crazy Oh, you're doing one. something wrong. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, and- also my whole arm is tattooed in Madonna. So I don't listen to just heavy metal. Come on. Yeah. And also like, even if you did whatever, like, I feel like that's the, well, what some people would say is like the beauty of the queer community is that you can have those multiple identities of people in the same space and they can, generally speaking, either get along or we should be curious to get to learn about one another. And that's, I don't know, like that's kind of why I'm curious of your journey into the satanic temple Mm -hmm. of how you felt like that was potentially a good like choice for you. Because if it wasn't in response to a religious trauma, was it in response to sort of living a rebellious life in general, like as, as a, as a queer person or, you know, just kind of, and you know, with the with preface that this is not also your identity either. Just yeah. like you're not Satanist Alexander, right. you're, you're not gay <laughs> Alexander. You're not, but, but you know, like what, you know, sort of took you to that particular it was, point. It was my, I had read the satanic Bible by um, Anton LaVey, who's the founder of the church of Satan. Okay. And for your listeners, if you don't know who Anton LaVey is, just look him up because he's very entertaining, to say the least. Also, there's a really interesting conspiracy theory that Taylor Swift, which probably resonates with some of your listeners. It, it definitely does. Not me, but it definitely does with most of the listeners. So I'm, I'm, here. I'm is, here for it. Is actually no. Anton LaVey's daughter. No. no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if, you look, if you look up the conspiracy, like there are images of Anton LaVey's daughter on like the Phil Donahue show. And she looks just like Taylor Swift. Okay. All right. This I can buy into because I may not be into Taylor Swift, but I'm certainly into a Taylor Swift conspiracy yeah. theory. Yeah. That, so that real, might be our next like episode. Down to the red lipstick. Yeah. Like it's oh, the same the shape. It's insane. Okay. It's okay. wild. Anyhow, yes. again, very entertaining. Also, yeah. Jane Mansfield. Very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd read the Satanic Bible uh, while I was in high school because it was in, lumped in with the New Age section. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cool. It was fine. It was extreme um how long is it oh my gosh it's like shorter than an Anne rice novel okay it's it's not long at all okay and i was like well this doesn't really this is this is great but it's not me um some of the things were you know i was like okay i get that and um the idea of putting yourself first before anyone else is part of 
the philosophy of the church of Satan mm-hmm. being unapologetically who you are is the, is that as well. And, and things like that. Um, I, and I'm, when I first time I read it, I may not have also understood it. I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a big hullabaloo. I want to say it's in Oklahoma was in Oklahoma several years ago. Um, they put up 10 commandments at the state house. Yes. Yeah. And the satanic temple was like, you can't do, can't that. do that. And if you're going to, then we have the right to put up something. Mm-hmm. And that was what caught my attention. And they wanted to put up a, a statue of Baphomet, who mm-hmm. is, your listeners can look up Baphomet and the sordid history behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a, also an idea that the Baphomet is um, anti-Islamic. Oh. It's a perversion of of Muhammad. Interesting. I like never knew the, that. the way it sounded okay. and all that. Yeah, so Baphomet is, is the sort the of figure goat with thing. Yeah, the yeah. figure with horns, mm-hmm. kind of goat centaur looking. Yeah, it's um yeah. it's an amalgamation of a lot of things. It has a goat's head, uh, which is very typical of a lot of satanic imagery and cult and dark mm-hmm. evil imagery. Uh, it has uh, breasts mm-hmm. in its original incarnation. One hand is pointing upward toward the sky and one hand is pointing downward mm-hmm. to represent that everything that happens above us happens below us and mm. is together. And there's a torch on its head as well to represent knowledge and light. Mm-hmm. Um, salve et coiglia, the solution and the coagulation that's one on each arm. Mm-hmm. Um, to re- again to represent the just the duality of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a moon and a sun usually in the imagery of the Baphomet. Um, the Satanic Temple took the breasts off, mm. <laughs> and it's just a it looks more like a bare-chested, goat-headed man. It has wings as well. What most people would think when you think of the devil, most people think of Baphomet. The Baphomet, yeah, yeah. And uh, they fought it. They sued. They went. They put up a Baphomet for a short period of time. Eventually, it was ruled that the Ten Commandments could not be on the grounds without the other, any other religious... That wanted to do it. Right. Could put up something of theirs. And now there's, like, this past year, uh, I don't remember what state it was. I'm sure I could look it up. Um, But they were allowed to... Their courthouse had a nativity, and so, but the Satanic Temple was allowed to put one up as well, and it was like a baby Baphomet in in like a manger. I fucking live, yeah. That is, um, <laughs> I love that. The Satanic Temple has also been invited to do the invocation at like the beginning of the day. A lot of you know cities and municipalities will have that invocation. So they've been invited to do that as well. Mm-hmm. That was when it, they caught my attention. Yeah. yeah. And I started being interested in what they were doing. And then it really solidified my want to be a part of them, um, to be a card carrying member and give money to them, um, was their fight for women's reproductive health rights. Mm. Uh, more so than anything else, for sure. Because these weird slate of laws that are coming about, like if you have an abortion, you have to have a funeral and 
for the cluster of cells and it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like it really is disgusting. Like a lot of groups in America are obviously oppressed, but it was like it's also half of right. If we were to think population. about the 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 people who you know need or require or want abortions, right? It's mostly lower income people, right. mostly people of color, especially black women. Like it's not for many women a decision that people are like, oh yeah, I'm running down to go get my abortion. That's kind of how it's framed sometimes. Like the idea that with, a, that, with, that abortion is a, a form of birth control to me right. is absurd and it's right. disgusting. Right, and it's like stop thinking that women are stupid. Yeah, like that's not that's not what it is. And to, to <laughs> right, that it's not thought out. You know, right. I, and I know there's laws. I think in Texas of specific questions the doctors are required to ask for women and and if they can even get to a fucking clinic if well now right yeah yeah whatever documentary i was watching back then there was certainly a a bit more options than there were back then but it was like one for every hundred hundred you know 25 square miles whatever it was but like when i think about those types of laws and you think about the typical religious bodies, you're not always seeing a religious figure. No. Uh, and when one of the more common practices being like, Hey, this is fucking wrong right. to force these people to have a funeral service, a cremation to grieve this loss, like to, to, to force people to do that. Like when are we even forced to do that for older people who pass away? No. I don't think we are. No, you know, it's, it's like, you can see how religion impacts politics right? right and how and how this sort of i i wouldn't even say this is catholicism i would say it's more of like a almost a radical evangelical belief a bit very more, much so right it, it, it's like you're required to do this and this is the right thing to do and the law has to make you do this and it's like what like who who are you to say number one to come between a woman and her body and science and also two, like someone and their grieving process to force them to go through something that may not be helpful for them when most of my friends who have had abortions have had their own grieving process. And, and you know what? It's fucking worked for them and therapy has fucking worked for them. And like, I just find it interesting that there was no religious body that was really able to step up in that moment mm-hmm. that the one that you saw was the satanic temple. And you're like, all right, maybe there's something to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're like, or not, not that. Cause you had obviously read their, their, you know, Bible before. No, but, no, no, yeah. no, no. Oh, the satanic church. The satanic church. The church of Satan. The church of, the church Satan. of Satan's Bible. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which again, which, as we talked about before this podcast, more antithesis of yes. Bible. Yeah. So, but right. But, but without, so but without, that. without, yeah. without the, the church of Satan and without Anton yeah. LaVey and the satanic Bible and those texts, the satanic temple would not exist. Right. Obviously. Right. right. Either way, this sort of experience was a bit of a jumping off point for you to be like, I could see something here. What are these people about? Well, you hear that Christians, they want to take care of, you know, I think it's Matthew 22, 25. The end of it is that that which you have done unto the least of your brothers, you have done unto me. Mm -hmm. For I was naked and you clothed me. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me water. And that Mm -hmm. which you have done unto the least of your brothers, you have done unto me. But that's not at all. That's not correct but that's not at all how they how it the actions 
are speaking a lot louder than the words. Mm-hmm. And then it was like the satanic temple that was like, no, we, someone's got to take care of the least of my brothers. And so that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And that was just one instance. There's other instances. They fought for LGBT rights as well. And, and really creating a divide in public schools. They have a satanic after school program mm. and they've gone into schools and they've argued and fought and won and said, if you have a Bible study, that's an extracurricular. You have to offer this mm-hmm. public school. Mm-hmm. It's tax funded. So either it's, it's all or nothing. Yeah. And, but it was, it was, it was the women's reproductive rights that resonated the most with me. What was the process for getting involved? Did you join like a chapter or did you join? There is, there is now an Ohio chapter and they're, they're based out of central Ohio. I was a member before that. Okay. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, it's, you're a member, you go online and you, it's like 25 bucks and you get a card and you get a certificate. Yeah. But the 25 bucks other than the cost of the certificate and the card goes to fund the, all of their legal battles that they're mm-hmm. It's not like, I mean, like Lucian Grace is not living high on the hog, mm-hmm. like, right. like a televangelist or yeah. some of these other religious heads. Uh, Pope Frankie, I'm looking at you. I was going to say, I was, like, uh, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, your donation doesn't go to fight his legal battle right. at all. No, you know? Right. <laughs> it's yeah. Not. It's not, it, it's not going to fund a new gold chalice or um, anything like that. So that's how I became a member. Mm-hmm. That was it. Was, that was it. It was the easiest thing. Um, there is a, now a Central Ohio chapter. They just started in the middle of lockdown, mm. so it was really strange. Like, yeah, for them, they couldn't meet and stuff. Um, and they have. I'm involved with them on a casual level. I haven't. They they have a uh, book club, and I've read some of the books. Some of the books I'd already read. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a friend who's um, involved on a surface level as well. But they're 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 very young. Yeah. In in that and what there is a process to it because it's it is provocative. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the name itself, the Satan Temple, is provocative. So there's definitely a process of weeding out individuals who would be dangerous. Yeah. That. Like the trappings, the trappings of Satanism and what it sounds like, you know, everyone thinks Rosemary's baby and, 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 you know, like virgin sacrifices and eating babies and like the witch, Mm -hmm. um, the film, the witch, Mm -hmm. which actually is praised by the satanic temple, but that's beside the point. (laughs) Also one of my favorite movies. Um, but it like, there's that. And there are, there are individuals obviously who want to be a part of that. Right. They want that, the black mass and. And the founder, Lucian, acknowledges that too. Yes. And he's like, we do have to weed these people out because this is not what we do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing that appeals to me about them. It's like, I always, I've made the argument before, you know, if if Jeffrey Dahmer had said that he uh, asked for forgiveness and became saved, technically he's going to heaven mm-hmm. and all, <laughs> all Christians should embrace him. And forgive him. And where's the weeding out process of that? <laughs> you know, like Ted Bundy, like I'm good with the it's, Lord. It's, like it's between you and the ten Hail Marys you say in the yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's, I don't remember. There, there is a serial killer. He's like now a model prisoner 
and he's a pastor. And I'm like, in, in prison, I don't remember who it is, but I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, this is, I don't know, maybe I'm just a little more cynical, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to accept you. Yeah. So that part of the Satanic Temple resonated mm-hmm. as well. If every religion sort of has different beliefs or practices of there's the commandments, the Beatitudes, like what are some of the beliefs of the Satanic Temple? Well, there are seven tenants. Seven. Seven. Lucky you, number. I, I feel like they kind of did that on purpose because it's also a very biblical number. Mm-hmm. So that might have been their little jab at <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. the stereotypical religions or whatever. Some of them, your listeners can look them up. Mm-hmm. But the third one is one's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. That is obviously the impetus for everything that they're doing regarding women's reproductive rights. Mm -hmm. One should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures within accordance of reason. Important quote at the end. Yeah. The freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend, to Mm. willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. This one's important especially now. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world, and one should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. Fuck. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, yeah. Like, th- these make more sense than, like, keep the Sabbath holy. Yeah. And then... <laughs> yeah. Honor thy mother and father. Right. Yeah. People, are, <laughs> people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. So those are, like, was it four of the seven tenants. Mm-hmm. And they're all very much like that. It feels therapy-informed. It feels very, like... I mean, if they're scientifically... Sound mm-hmm. and uh, you know, therapy is a medical practice, mm-hmm. and so it comes from science. Mm-hmm. But people are fallible, and that, if you think about that, people are fallible, and you should rectify your mistakes and any harm that you've caused. Versus, if you don't follow these, people think there's only 10 commandments, like, there's two other, <laughs> there's, there's also the book of Leviticus and the book of Deuteronomy, which <laughs> yeah. dictates. Yeah. How you should be living. Certainly not Um, just 10. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, But those are basically, if you don't do this, you go to hell. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is like, if you fuck up, apologize and fix it. But recognize in other people that they're going to fuck up too. Mm -hmm. And let them fix it. So those are some of the tenets. Are those things you learned along the way? Or were those things that you sort of like researched a bit in the beginning and you're like, yeah, this fits me. I'm going to join. They're kind of right. They're very much in the beginning. They're like right there. Okay. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. Like if you go onto the website, it's like the seven tenants. It's yeah. Like a big banner. And yeah. like, so they're just kind of right there. I mean, yeah. like I told you earlier, I didn't memorize them. Like, mm-hmm. cause I didn't feel the need to. It's not like the 10 commandments when I was in grade school and they're like, you have to memorize these. Yeah. Um, and which ones were on the left and which ones are on the right. And then the ones on the left, like are part of like you and your family and the ones right. on the right are community. Fuck off. Yeah. And the first, I think it's the first three are very, yes, very selfish from God. Mm-hmm. Like that, I, I am a jealous God and you shall have, you shall not have gods before me, which I think is really interesting as well, because that people don't realize that God admits there are other gods in that commandment. Yeah. Just saying he's the most important one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. 
Yeah. Like the old and the Old Testament is littered with I know with other Semitic yeah. and gods of that area. Yeah. I took a um in high school, um, I did a Judeo Christian class and it was um basically one semester in high school and it was the intersection of how Judaism informed parts of Christianity. It was like what the fuck and how they ignore it now. Yeah. And how they just fucking ignore it. And I took this at a Catholic school, which the intent was not to say that they ignore it. It's how the tradition was informed. It was taught by a rabbi. (laughs) Like that rabbi was like, uh, yeah, like this, we just moved on from that, you know? And I was like, what the fuck? Like at what point? And again, I, I am not, Stunning lack, stunning lack of expertise is in the episode description. Like, I don't understand, like, how we went from, like, Old Testament to New, and it was just such, like, a poop jump, and there was no, like, hey, this is, like, right, or this is wrong, this is in line with tradition, this is not in line with tradition. It's, like, we're going to read, as to your point earlier, we're going to read from both books during this Mass, but we're only going to pick specific ones. And when we're talking about women, we're going to pick specific ones. When we're talking about youth, we're going to pick specific ones. And I just like, it's, it's almost designed in a way as a curriculum that I don't know that the average person would find it manipulative or, or part of indoctrination, Mm -hmm. but looking back and stepping back, I'm like, you only taught me certain things versus when I studied Judaism, I was like, what area of my Catholic education told me that like Jewish people didn't have the full story. Jewish people were less educated than me. Jewish people were not like, I was like, like somebody taught me that at some point and I had to unlearn that behavior as I aged, but like it was literally just part of a, a we're the ones who know best. It's, and it seems like that's not the case in the satanic temple. It's not. Yeah. It's not. But when like the, even the, the term Judeo Christian is not a thing. It should not be a thing mm-hmm. because Judaism and Christianity are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the lines, antisemitism took over mm-hmm. and, the powers that be forgot willfully that Jesus, according to the mythology, was Jewish. Mm-hmm. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. Mm-hmm. That is the actual verbiage in the original translate in the original texts before they were translated. Mm-hmm. And everything that Jesus would have done is based on Judaics. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the lines, Jews became the enemy, mm-hmm. and they couldn't have that anymore. So it got corrupted, and it got manipulated, and it got perverted. And now there's this whole idea that it was the Jews that gave Jesus to Pontius Pilate, and like it's betrayed. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, that's. Great story, but also like, where's the archaeology and the record? That that's beside the point. Yeah, it just—I mean—it comes from bigotry. And I was gonna—I was gonna try to divert myself back because I was just sort of reflecting and pontificating there. Um, but you know, when you think about the core beliefs and you think about the the, the seven tenets, like one of the things I also learned while researching this a bit was the rituals. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm curious. Um, Ritual wise, but people hear the word ritual too. I think that people have this, I think you said it before, whether it was while we're recording or not, the coven, right? A ritual is the coven. We come together, we stand in a circle and there's like a fire in the middle. Like that's not what ritual is, right? And, and, you know, I was talking about ritual and Catholicism of, you know, stand up, sit down, kneel, stand up, sit down, kneel, shake hands, 
walk up, eat, eat the, the blood, bread, walk back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like what? We're eating people's bodies? Like you know? It's just like, <laughs> but again, drinking blood. Like I, it, the whole thing, right? Like it's, it is not. there's there's something about the word ritual that i think people hear and they they hear it as like a a negative thing or a quote-unquote like creepy thing Mm -hmm. of like a i don't know i went to this like a couple stores like you're a couple stores recently one of my favorite stores is like it's called ritual ritual and like i love that they say it twice because there's something about just like it's like a little boutique women-owned you know they have like jewelry tarot cards crystals like all this stuff and it's like it's something about just like your ritual is sort of whatever you create it to be. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I hope I'm not answering the question a little bit, but like ritual wise for you with the satanic temple, like what are rituals that you've heard people do and what are rituals you've done yourself as part of a member of the satanic temple? None of my rituals are come from the satanic temple. I don't, my rituals are very mundane, which is hmm. what the rituals that, I've known I've learned about in this tank temple really are they're about empowerment and recognizing pattern and utilizing that not necessarily as a, the idea of a metaphysical ritual, but as a way of creating stability, understanding that recognizing that moving forward and utilizing those things to better yourself, to heal yourself, to, deal with things that have happened that may have been holding you back. We were talking earlier and I was, you know, everyone has a ritual when they wake up in the morning. Everyone for the most part does a certain set of things each time. There's a certain set of, there's a, it's a pattern. There's a ritual when people come home. One thing that's not necessarily a metaphysical ritual, but it, it is a ritual. If you have something that you're trying to let go of, but it's ruminating. It's there. It's like always there. You can't get rid of it. One thing that you can do as a ritual is to write it down on a piece of paper and then burn it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing magical about it. It's a symbol. This is the symbol. This is what's bothering me. This is how I'm getting rid of it. It's interesting because that action, right, is is sort of an, an action that people might say it's like it's it's corrective or it, it it's balancing. Like it's okay, I'm going to I'm feeling this way. I want to forget that I'm feeling this way. You're probably not going to forget you're feeling this way, but it might feel or it might give you a sense of feeling that you can be sort of relieved for a little while. Like I think about one of my rituals and like all of my friends who like listen to this will make fun of me. But the last thing I did before shutdown was go to Iceland. I went to Iceland, came back, COVID cases were everywhere and pretty much the world shut down. I did not go on another flight. I did not go on another trip. And I stayed home for a year and a half. One, I had the privilege to stay home um, with my job. Uh, two, um, I had a partner who was pretty scared of, of catching COVID. Um, and then three, I just felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing for like the greater cause. Well, the first thing I did after I got my vaccines and they had kicked in, I went back to Iceland because it was like a, this was the last thing I did. I need to clean the slate because after I got back from that first trip, I was like, I'm ready to, to, to be more adventurous, to embrace, you know, uh, things like huga, you know, like embrace a simpler way of life. And I need to get back to that headspace. And 
very shortly before or right after I booked that flight, we made the decision to move here. Again, it was like putting a ritual in place so I could have a clear thought or a clear structure structure pattern pattern right something recognizable of like okay after i do this i'm going to experience some type of high and that high is going to give me clarity so that i can put structure in place to make my life a bit more balanced or as we talked in the beginning a bit more rebellious right of like i can lean into my rebellious side that i don't need to stay in the same area where I grew up. I can move to another state, even though it's only one over, um, that I, you know, like that I can pursue different things. And so I think like the power of ritual and the power of like, like uh, it can be as simple as you said, of just like, I'm writing something down and burning it. It can be, I'm going to go to this place. I'm going to go to this vacation that I know that I love because it will like help me heal or it could be something more substantial and organized. And that was kind of where my next question came from. It's like, are there more organized rituals in the there, satanic no, there, are, there are meetings. Meetings. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There are meetings and yeah. there, there's structure to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, not unlike a mass, but also not a mass. Mm. I think that people think that ritual only happens if it's something spiritual. And... That's not the case. And the Satanic Temple is working and doing its best to show that atheists can have ritual. Mm -hmm. A wedding is a ritual. Yeah. But a wedding can take many different shapes. Mm -hmm. And so when I got married, one of the things that I, I said expressly, there's no mention of God. There's no mention of religion at all. Um. But we still had the ceremony. Mm-hmm. But it was very, very secular. Yeah, you know, like one could argue that going to a group fitness class is a secular ritual, mm-hmm. especially for the people that go every single, you know, Tuesday nine thirty. I'm going to. I would say kickboxing. So. I would say that's so. a secular ritual. Yeah. So yeah. that you know, they're meetings and they discuss things and there's an opening and there's a closing and there might be some not necessarily an invocation but there's an intention set. an intention an, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that's the perfect way to set yeah a setting of an intention mm-hmm. absolutely hmm. so yeah there are those yeah some of them like you know and as i was telling you in the documentary hail satan there was like a f- schism and the one woman got yeah. a little crazy with the ritual and um you know and some would argue that the protests and the way that, that the Satanic Temple has uh, created their protests and utilizing the imagery that they've utilized also is a ritual. They meet at a certain time. They start with this. There's always this image present or, you know, this mm-hmm. something that's provocative mm-hmm. for sure. That's part of the ritual and the the, the pomp and circumstance of it. So for you, obviously there's an intersection in, in some of your other interests, but is there an intersection in like your queerness or identifying as gay with the satanic temple? Or is it just the fact that it's, it tends to be people who experience religious trauma. So there, is there a higher prevalency that, or likelihood that somebody you encounter there is, is gay or queer? It's very interesting. I don't know of any other, I, I'm, I could be very, very wrong. Um, cause I only really know of them through Facebook groups. Um, I don't know of any other LGBTQ 
identifying members in Ohio. At least they're not expressly. Again, it's not the thing. Like, yeah, right. Not, right. I'm the gay Satanist. Yeah, yeah. Roger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you'd, you'd kind of be a funny Roger. If you're, if you're. <laughs> um, the idea of it being wrong, I'm sure, comes into play. Yeah. The taboo. Yeah, I mean, people, I know people want to be like, oh, it's so much more accepting now. I'm like, it's really not. Yeah. Um, it's it's different. It's different. Yeah. yeah I, I think there's it's, a I think there's a surface level. I think it is yeah, it's okay. It's yeah, it's more acceptable now. Pe- people might be more accepting, but certainly there's power yeah. structures in place that are less. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And even the even just the idea that, you know, we celebrate LGBTQ plus pride. And what is pride? It's one of the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, I mean, that's a bit of a stretch, but, <laughs> you know, and Lucifer is the prince of pride when it comes to the, the demons associated with the seven deadly sins. Satanists are more accepting. Yeah. And yeah. and accepting in a way that it's, it's not, it's a non, they don't care. Because why would they? Right. It's not forbidden against anything yeah. that they. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, cool, great. Yeah. Let's, you know, okay, great. There's a there's a bigger picture. Like you're yeah. gay, you're a lesbian, you're bi, you're trans, you're queer. Okay, cool. But I get that's important to you. But this is the matter at hand right here. Mm-hmm. Or how is your community being oppressed, and how can we help you? Same like with the women's reproductive rights, and and um, you know, they were very vocal, very very vocal. Black Lives Matter when that was still like not the thing. Like it wasn't. Yeah. Before June 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see, you know, there is that, like any oppressed group there, if it's a righteous group, they're going to, I mean, they're obviously not going to side with like pedophiles. Right. But But if it's a group that is righteous and a group that has like a just cause for people to be treated equally, it's an unquestionable. Right. Yeah. And deserves for someone to be like, mind your own business with this group of people. Like, let them live. It's so funny, and like this is not something I don't think I've ever shared publicly on the podcast before, but June 2020, for a lot of people just like me, was a bit of an awakening about how overt racism could be, where I think living through Bush, living through Obama, you knew that racism was still a thing, and it was still present, and you listened to your friends of color, but at no point did I feel maybe a, a call to do something about mm, it until mm-hmm. June 2020, which is when people started listening to this podcast, which is when my Instagram, you know, blew up. And it was like, I'm not here to pretend to be yeah. a, an anti-racism educator. I can't. I do not have that knowledge. And I am trying to learn just like every other fucking ignorant white person is trying to learn. But I remember, you know, as people were sort of like calling people to speak that, uh, speak out, speak up, you know, call your friends, call your whoever, be like, why aren't you talking about this? Like, can we talk about this? I was like, okay. Like, I remember my high school, my Catholic high school didn't post anything about, you know, the protests, um, the murder of George Floyd, um, anything. It was like zero. Mm-hmm. And this is a school that, you know, I enjoyed going there because it was so diverse. Mm-hmm. Like it was a Catholic school, sure, but it was right in the middle of Center City, Philadelphia. So it pulled people from every angle of the city. So a large majority of some of my classes were people of color. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that ever happened for me as a kid who grew up in the Philadelphia suburbs that I had experienced being around people of color. And I remember being like, 
messaging them on Instagram, like, hey, I noticed you guys haven't posted anything about, you know, like your your stance on kind of what's happening right now in the city and, and you know, what's happening right now, these injustices against the black community as a school who, who you know, is at least a significant portion of the population is black. And receiving money because yeah. it's a private school. Correct. So they're being paid yeah. tuition yeah. from these individuals of color. Correct. Just wanted to say that. Yeah. Well, when I went, it was five, six thousand dollars a year. And um, you know, and that was low compared to other schools. And did I probably in that moment have like an insane white savior complex? Sure. Like, did I know at all what I was talking about or what I was doing? Like, no. But I remember I didn't get a response on Instagram twice. And they I saw that they saw my message. So I emailed the the president, which was somebody who I was close with. And his response was, because of the grave sin of racism, we do not feel we can talk about it. We are going to respond as a united front from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. So whatever the archbishop says, um, we will also say. And I get it because that's their structure. Like, that's how their funding works. But I just thought. I was a, say, and it's a business. And it's a business. But I just thought to myself, it was it was one of those clearest moments to me where I've known the Catholic Church was a business, but that I felt my alma mater was a business. And I remember just being like, you know what? I didn't have high hopes for how this conversation was going to go. But certainly when I, you know, tried to reach out to you on Instagram, tried to reach out to the secretary of the president, and then eventually had to go to him like one-to-one of somebody who I had a personal relationship with who had eaten dinner at my parents' house, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I I just remember being so angry that, like, you have these people who are on the streets protesting, students of yours who are protesting, and they're paying your bills to keep the lights on in the school. And you're saying, we can't take a stance against this because the sin of racism is so large. And I just thought, they have absolutely no guts to make a stance or make a change regardless of what they say. And I always knew that the the church, quote unquote, you know, Rome, the Vatican was like that. I never thought that my own sort of school could be like that. If we were just going to sweep this under under the rug and wait for somebody to tell us how to feel. So to your point, the satanic temple is almost appealing to me because they're like, of course I have to fucking say something. What do you mean? We have to say something. People's like lives are being, you know, taken from them and people are mad and people are frustrated. So it's totally tangential, <laughs> but <laughs> from the pod, but no, 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 it, but it, 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 it just, what you said makes me think it's, a lot. It also, yeah. aside from the fact that the church is one of the biggest reasons why racism mm-hmm. in America exists. Mm-hmm. That which you have done onto the least of your brothers, you have done onto me. Like, they forgot that. Yeah, yeah. And they're forgetting that in that because of the great sin of racism. Yeah, well, you know what? You created it. You've created them, that group, being the least of your brothers. And Mm. that is what you are doing onto your God, Mm -hmm. according to Matthew. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe step back and... Read your mythology, and uh, <sighs> I appreciate that you called it mythology um, <laughs> because it is mythology. It is mythology. If you read the mythologies from that area of the world, this is provocative. This might piss people off. Christianity <laughs> is a perversion of 
religions that came before that were far more beautiful, far more relatable, and had far more depth mm-hmm. than love me or suffer forever. I mean, the, the, the Great Flood is, is something that's in so many mythologies from the Middle East. And the, the idea of a savior that is killed and comes back to life. Like it's, it's like you can't swing a cat mm-hmm. in a library of mythology and not hit mm-hmm. another messianic character. Yeah. You know, the virgin birth, Buddha's mother was a virgin mm-hmm. according to that story. And she had a dream that an elephant entered her side and then she gave birth to whatever. And like Greek mythology is littered with Zeus impregnating, mm-hmm. dare I say, raping it is, women. I believe it is rape. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's a mythology. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely mythology. It's it's lovely. There's some wonderful stories in it. Great way to view the world if that's what you want your limit to be. Sure, but also it shouldn't be limited. Agreed. And diverting back to the <laughs> Satanic Temple, um, I think there's obvious and clear misconceptions about the satanic temple, some of which we talked about already mm-hmm. today. I guess I should ask this um, as a good interviewer. How many babies have you eaten? None. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I mean, okay. So there is that whole like joke that people have um, about like swallowing babies, but I don't think that's what you mean. <laughs> So at, at, at that point we would be in the thousands. Um, but yeah. Uh, like this week alone? Yeah. Um no, I've never I've never eaten a baby. I've never uh I've never committed homicide or sacrificed an animal mm-hmm. um or human. Um I don't even think I could find a virgin in this day and age. Certainly not in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> Um, I've never bathed in blood, although if I could, like Elizabeth Bathory allegedly did, and retain my youth, um, I may seriously consider it. For sure. Um, What else have I not? I've never uh, met with people in the woods. Uh, I've never um, licked Satan's ass, specifically. (laughs) I've never, what are some of the other, like, weird, I've never flown on a broomstick. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never stuck pins in dolls in an effort to harm someone. Although that's one of those weird things. It's like, that's a whole other religion. You know, I'm like, go do people it. Like, go mi- do- that, you yeah. know, want to say is satanic. Uh, I've never signed a contract in blood. I support the voodoo queens. I do. Yeah, New Orleans is the only city in the United States I've ever wanted to visit just specifically for the culture of voodoo and how beautiful that that practice is and, mm-hmm. and the history and Yoruba and all. It, Amazing. Whole different story. But, yes, yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm with you there, though. I do track like when there's a full moon. Yeah. Um, again, I believe in supernatural elements, so I I have tarot cards. I read them. Um, I but read that's my horoscope. Not as it relates to the Satanic not at all. temple. Yeah, that's <clears throat> not just at all. Something that's that you, that's, appreciate. you know, uh, yeah. that's the occult of it. I mm-hmm. I pray, I pray to many deities as a form of ritual and as a form of therapy. I, I, I do. I will say that where I differ from atheists and and the Satanic temple is I am not 
so pompous as to believe that like it ends with me. Yeah. I believe there are elements and forces that are greater than humans, but I also believe in aliens. So mm-hmm. like, I think it's real stupid to be like, ah, humans are the only intelligent light. Like, come on. That's not possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, at least in, in my mind, I'm the same way of like, I don't know what the supernatural is. I don't know what the heaven hell, like, I don't know what, whatever those concepts are. I, I'm not, educated enough to say that i'm an atheist but i certainly can be like i don't know you know what? there's a lot of fucking weird shit that's happened and we find out new things every fucking day so if there is a reality that exists or a dimension that exists or a heaven or a hell that exists i don't think that the people who wrote about heaven and hell had any business writing about it but like who because who were they to, right. to know either but i think it's it's an interesting way of viewing the world it's the same re- reason why like i do read my horoscope and i don't let my horoscope define me i just like it as a point of reference for my day or my week or my world and or, it's often great advice yeah it's right whether, it's often like oh okay whether it's anything to do with you or not right it's just nice advice right and, like, it, and at uh, one time fire was magic exactly yeah. right and there are things that are we, as humans and science evolves, it, you know, it, what's the saying that magic is just science that hasn't been discovered yet? Mm-hmm. So I think it's folly for humans to believe that they're the end all be all. There's a reason why, psychologically, there's a reason why gods and goddesses have existed. Yeah. It's to put a face to something we don't understand. Totally. And as humans, that's comforting. Mm-hmm. And I have absolutely no problem with that. Yeah. However, I do have a problem with thinking that, like, if I don't give all of my devotion to this one entity, I will be punished for eternity. Eternity. Like, that's... Drama. Yeah. That's like, ridiculous. So, it is. And, um, like... It's to, also very specific to the Abrahamic religions. And not even Judaism. Yeah, like, there's no yeah, hell in yeah, Judaism. Yeah. So, what do you wish that more people did know? about the satanic temple or did know about the practice. I think we talked about the misconceptions we talked about, you know, but like what, what's your, not your pitch, but like what, what do you wish people did know in terms of considering that this is an alternative to a lifestyle they may have lived and gave up or lived and have not had the courage to give up yet. That actions speak louder than words. And when it comes to, organizations that are considered religious under tax laws. Honestly, they're, they are considered a religion that this is the one group that I have seen that has truly tried to do the most for justice and equality and equanimity in our nation by far, by far. And that is back to their core mission of being part of the rebellion. Mm -hmm. Right. Like when they see something they don't like, they fight against it. Fight against it. Yeah, and it's it almost feels like it's that not that it's a simple fight, but it's that simple for them to make a decision. <laughs> like, no, it is simple. For, I think it's very simple for them to make that decision. Yeah, like, and it's something that I I personally would like struggle with. There's a lot of times where I'm like, no, that's I'm not gonna care. But as a group, that's me as an individual. Yeah, on certain yeah. things, I'm yeah. just like I just don't. I can't care. Yeah. 
Um, Which is also fine being a member of the Satanic Temple. Right. They're not saying you need to care about every individual right. issue. It's but about they're yourself. saying if you bring us an issue that you care about, we're going to try and figure out how we can find enough of our members to help you mm-hmm. combat that. Hmm. I think they're sometimes a little overwhelmed. Um, and they're obviously fighting for big issues. And they've also grown to 200,000 members in a very short amount of time. They've only been around for nine years. That's a lot to amass and communicate out to. So I do want to ask you how people join. How people, you just go onto their website. What the fuck's the website? It's like satanictemple.com.org. <laughs> um, what is their website? The satanic. It's the satanictemple.com. Okay. I love how when I start typing it, the satanic verses by Solomon Rushdie is what comes up first. Empathy, reason, and advocacy. Wow. No other church, temple, anything that I've ever experienced identifies in that way. And the first article is the Satanic Temple's response to Texas's new abortion restrictions. <sighs> yeah. You know, it's just, it, it it's almost refreshing in a way to me um, to know that there are people out there and that organizations like this are growing, especially as organizations like Catholicism are fucking shrinking. Like the church is losing membership and people are not baptizing their kids, but people are also leaving the church. And of course they define leaving the church as no longer donating, which hello. Right. I think um, it's just interesting. So yeah. Pope Frankie is actually having a summit or something about the lack of priests. Maybe let women be priests and then maybe let priests marry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe stop denying people sex. Uh, right. intimacy right yeah. saying it's horrible and yes I call him Pope Frankie out of all the popes that I've had to live through in my 42 years of life I, he is by far the best one not saying much I've only had three and the one is still alive and he's the one that retired Pope Benedict yeah like how he's, is that he's okay not, he's not gonna be alive for long no he seems he's, he's yeah. deteriorating but what I guess you know finishing out the podcast what message would you leave with people about the satanic temple. And again, I, again, I, I'm not the expert. I'm not the figurehead. They didn't send me here (laughs) to talk about the satanic temple. My message would be to question what you think, you know, and if you know, you know, you don't because there's always another side. There's always something else that is hidden for whatever reason. Another group is hiding it. Some person is hiding it. They themselves are hiding it. You know, understand that you are worthy to question what you think you know. And you should. Mm. You should. That would be the message about the Satanic Temple. I love it. (laughs) That was a really good message. Um, Well, where can people find you? How do they get to know more about you? I'm on Instagram. That's where I'm on the most. It's not under Alexander. I have two. I have two. I have two. I have two Instagrams. I have Alexander Chang 13, which is my normal, I can't say normal person Instagram. It's my like my less provocative Instagram. <laughs> I have three Instagrams. You Jesus. Do I do. I, was I do, say, have three. You do have three. Now I'm like, I don't follow the Alexander Chang one. Alexander Chang 13 is my kind of normal one. And then the Rocco Giovanni, R O C C O G I O V A N N I. That's the lascivious one. <laughs> That's where all of my performing and stuff comes in. Um, and then I have Rocco.horror, 
because I decided to make one that was all like just about horror shit that I like. And there's a picture of my cat sitting next to my copy of Pet Cemetery. Love it. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. I'm on Facebook too, but I keep getting put in Facebook jail because I keep reminding Jim Jordan that he let uh, students get raped at Ohio State University. And I, I, I guess that was that was actually uh, a topic of our podcast uh, two weeks ago. See, I guess, but I guess Facebook <laughs> doesn't like when you go on his page and and remind him of that. So I keep getting put in Facebook jail. Facebook protecting pedophiles. Can't imagine. In, well, he in my good look, internet. To to his defense, he didn't do it. He let it happen. So the Joe Paterno of it all. That like I I will say he's doing way better job covering that up than he is trying to pass any legislation because he hasn't written a single piece mm. since he's been in office. And we said we wouldn't talk about politics and headlines, but bitch, we did. Yeah, <laughs> that, just because I live I, in Columbus and like yeah. he's supposed to be some sort of big, whatever. I'm just gonna sip this vodka. <laughs> well, seriously, Alexander, thank you so much for joining. Let's unpack that. This thank was you. number one. This was really enlightening for me, and I'm sure that um, it is really enlightening for the people who listen. And I do think that if there was a specific topic, tenet, or something else about your life that um, we wanted to get into, I'm sure people um, would be curious. So um, if you like this episode, please let us know um, because we would love to hear it. Obviously, um, most of you probably already follow me um, and you just heard Alexander's uh, handles. Um, but thank you all so much for listening. This has been another episode let's unpack that um and almost the first it feels like to do an episode in person so um if you like this let us know if you didn't like it uh keep it to yourself <laughs> um but give us a five-star rating anyway yeah. um but listen take care of your mental health while we uh you know disperse for the week and if you have any questions or need anything or need some ammunition to talk about with your uh conservative family and friends just reach out to me you know where to find me on my dms so thank you all so much for listening we'll talk to you next week oh wait 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 i have to i have to say it i have to say it i have to say it hail satan oh yeah <laughs> and with that <laughs> <laughs>